Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and put your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I've been working nearly every single day for the last two weeks, day working and branding, and whew, I know why I don't like to do that for a living anymore. It's hard on my body. But no, I, I enjoy doing it. And I was with a local rancher, and, and he said I could, I could use stories from his place, but I just had to promise not to use his name, so I'm not going to. But this guy has dogs, okay? Now, th- there's an old cowboy saying where I come from. If, if you want to mess the job up, bring a cowboy. If you really want to make a mess of a job, let that cowboy bring his dog. Okay? And that's generally how things go. I've never had the opportunity to really work with somebody that had good dogs. Now, everybody thinks their dog is a good dog. Everybody also thinks their kids are cute. We know that's not true. Okay? The eye, the eye is in the beauty of the beholder, whatever that is. You know what I mean? And so everybody thinks their dog does good. And yeah, Sonny told me a story that was perfect for that this morning. But anyway, so I'd never been around anybody that actually had good working dogs. And so it's me and this rancher, and we go out, and I mean, we are covering some miles, and he's got three dogs. And not only his dogs did something unusual, they did what he told them to do. And he only had to tell them one time. It was amazing. I mean, his dogs were better well-behaved than my kids are, you know? And, um, and I'm joking. I love y'all kids. And um, so we're going out, and he, he would say, he'd say, walk her by. And, and what that meant was to go off to the left. And, and these dogs would go off to the left, and they'd bring these cattle right in like they were a cowboy. And he could tell them, you know, to, to bring them back or anything. Or, or like one was not going where it was supposed to. He could tell them, walk up. And I mean, literally, these dogs would take one step. He'd say, walk up. They'd take another step. And he'd say, get them. And then they'd get them and, you know, scatter them, which I, yeah, I kept wanting to try to do that. He's like, Kevin, you get back. Get back. Well, I'd never been around them before. If the boss was barking orders, it was usually at me. So I was out there. No, I really wasn't. I wasn't out there. And so, uh, anyway, it, it was amazing. And this one part, we're up on this hill, and, I mean, there's cows way, way over there. And he's like, well, i got to use my dogs tomorrow, so I don't want to wear them out, or else I'd send the dogs to get those cows. I was like, those? He said, yeah, I mean, they look like this big. They were that far away. He goes, oh, yeah, if they can see them, they'll go get them. I said, you can tell your dog to go a mile and a half over there, and they will bring you those cows? He said, well, of course they would. I'm like, I couldn't, you couldn't probably tell me to go get those without me messing that up. And, and actually, you know, we, we got over there and he's like, okay, hey, he said, why don't you go up and, and open up that, that gate and uh, it's nearly in the corner and, and throw it back and then come back and we'll pair up on the other side. So, so I go over there and, and there's this wire gap gate or wire gate. <laughs> Ty knows what I'm talking about. That was going to be a joke, but I'm not going to get into that because I got a lot to talk about. But anyway, there's, there's, there's a wire gate and, and it's not really in the corner. It's about you know, 60 yards off the corner. So I go over there and if you've ever opened up another man's wire gates, man, that will test your Christianity to no end. You know, because they got wire wrapped around here and it's tied off over here. This thing didn't look like it had been open in 92 years. So here comes the cows. I mean, the rancher and his three dogs. You know, here comes 200 head of cows, and I'm supposed to get it open so we can get it through there and pair up. And finally, I get it open, and I throw it back, and I jump on my horse, and I lope out there, and then I turn around, and it was the wrong gate. That's why it hadn't been opened in 92 years. Needless to say, I did worse than the dogs did. 
And he didn't beat on me or yell at me. He was really nice about it. But you know, good or bad, you know what all those dogs reminded me of? Those dogs that were out there working. And even in some illustrations, my dogs, we call them cow dogs in training, CDRs. Maybe there's nine there, I don't know. Uh, they reminded me of servants of Christ. You know, each one was doing their best. And, I mean, it's an African Basenji. He's not a cow dog, but they were doing their best, right? Some better than others. Each dog was gathering the pastures and looking to the boss for instructions and guidance. I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Go out and gather the pastures, listen for that small voice of God to tell you what to do? Go off left. Walk up. Get back. Whatever the case may be. Back and forth, tongues hanging out from working so hard, not for themselves, but to please the Master. I mean, that, that, to me, that's a great illustration of, of who we are supposed to be and the, and the role that we play. You know, being who they were made to be. Even though some of them are mutts, they're not all, uh, you know, purebred. They may have this in them and that in them, and, 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 you know, but each one of them serving a purpose. You know, they're running around, working hard, snarling at other dogs that get in their way, uh, sniffing the new dog's butt to see if they're good enough for the outfit. Well, maybe my illustration's falling apart just a little bit. Or is it? Because that's the question. But isn't this what we are supposed to be doing? Be servants of Christ, gathering His field, looking for God's instruction and guidance. What if I told you no? What if I told you all of that stuff that, that I know that I was talking about that sounded so good, that sounded like it was just right, that you're like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. What if I said no? Well, I would hope that if I said no, you would say, I don't want to hear your opinion, Kevin. I want to hear what God has to say. And in John chapter 15, starting in 14, this is what the Lord says. You are my friends. You are my friends. Now, we've been talking, this is the last Sunday I'm going to be talking about how to be a friend of God. Two weeks ago, we talked about how Abraham was called a friend of God because of his faith in God. Last week, we talked about how Moses was called a friend of God because he talked to him as a friend. And we talked about how to talk to God. And this week, we're going to finish up on how to be called a friend of God. And this is what Jesus himself has to say. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Now see, I just got through asking you, um, aren't we supposed to be servants of Christ? Gather, each doing their best, some better than others, gathering the pasture and looking to the boss for instruction and guidance, back and forth, tongues hanging out from working so hard, not for themselves, but to please the Master, being who they were made to be. Isn't that what we're supposed to be, as servants of Christ? Jesus says right here, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Cow dogs versus cowboys. Even though those dogs were probably better at moving cattle than me, 
All they were doing was following instructions. They didn't know why we were moving the cattle. Think about that. I mean, even, even though they were really good at what they did, they had no idea why we were moving them into that pasture or why the next day we were going to cross the creek so that we could cross the road, so that we could get ready, so that we could brand them. They didn't know any of that. They were just doing something that their master told them to do. They had no idea of what the big picture was. They had no idea of the why. They didn't know. I mean, when we're walking along there, those dogs don't come back and say, Hey, uh, boss, that calf number 368C, he's kind of got a hawk that, you know, kind of swole up a little bit. He's kind of got a snotty nose. Those dogs aren't going to do that. They don't know to do that. They just know that the boss told them move it from here to there or walk from here to there or walk up or get back. They don't know the master's business. They just do what they're told to do. They didn't know how to pair up the cattle. I mean, you know, we sat there for, for over an hour making sure that everything paired back up after the long move. Those dogs didn't know how to do that. They just, they just kind of get out there and did the job. And I'm not criticizing the dogs. Not by any means. But if we are Christians, we, Jesus says, I have made my Father's business known to you. He wants more out of us. He doesn't just want us to go out there and, well, you know what? Here's a piece of pizza. I know you're hungry. There you go. I'm a Christian. Why? Why would we do that? We've got to know our master's business, our bosses. They didn't know which gates to open. Well, I, I didn't either, so I, that, may, that might not have been a very good... Uh, but they probably couldn't have opened it even if they would have known which one to open. You know, they do not have opposable thumbs. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with cow dogs. But we as Christians don't need to just be servants of Christ and stop there. Not worrying about what the overall big picture we have been called. Jesus has called us to more. He says it right there. I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. He said, the things that I have, you have seen me do, I have taught you to do so that you can go and do the same thing. Not just so that you can walk out there and, and pretend and, and just move some cattle up. That, 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 that's not going to cut it. We need to move beyond merely being servants of Christ and be friends of God. How do we do that? But to be a friend of God, you must know the master's business. That's what Jesus said. He said, man, I, a servant does not know the master's business, but I have made known to you what our business is. Then he said, this command I leave you, love each other. Be a friend of God, you must know the master's business. It is more than just performing duties. You must know why we're doing it. You must have a conversation with the boss and be able to perform the duty and ensure the completion for the greater good. Not just go out there and, and, and move something from point A to point B. Why are we doing that? The boss appoints his friends, not just instructs them. He says, I have appointed you to go and bear fruit. Appointment means responsibility and accountability. And boy, that's hard, isn't it? To say that, you know, Jesus, l listen, I mean, I'm not here just to make you feel good so you can go out and go, yay, God. When you call yourself a follower of Christ and you call yourself a tried and true authentic Christian, He's going to hold you accountable for what you do and what you don't do. Okay? He expects more out of you. The work that we do will have meaning, not just exertion. And, and, I th and this isn't a criticism. It's just a fact. And the reason I know it's a fact because I've been there and I've done this. Maybe you haven't. I hope that you haven't. But I know that at one point in my ministry, I was so busy 
doing church that I had no time to spread the love of God or even know why we were doing stuff. I was just merely running around in the pasture, moving cattle from point A to point B, and sometimes I'd get it right. Had no idea why we were doing it. And I was a preacher. And I had a long one-on-one -on -one talk with God one day, and I was like, hey, man, I'm running out of here. My old tongue's lolling out, and I'm about to look for a trough to climb in and, 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 and die. And I said, why, why am I running around like a chicken with no head on? doing all this stuff and not seeing any results. And God said, I didn't ask you to do all that. I asked you to love on people. Does, it, does that kind of characterize? I mean, because, you know, when you, when you start knowing Jesus, you know, man, I want to do something. But, but we got to know why we're doing it. What are we supposed to do? What does God want from us? Well, you know, I, I mean, in the simplest form, I think he wants us to treat his ranch like it was our own and take care of it the same way he did when he was here. Right? I mean, I know that when I go help all of these different ranchers over the last few weeks, when I went out there, I treated their cows as if they were my cows. I know when Ty goes out there to Phil's and him and Jared and Sean and Tara and all them, they go out there, they, they treat Phil's cattle like they're their own, maybe even better. And that's what God wants from us. Look at what Jesus did and how he cared for his cattle. You know, I'm just using old quotation marks. How did he take care of his cattle? We should take care of them the exact same way. But yet somehow we, we have kind of, I don't know, we've just kind of gone off to the side, you know? I mean, I, I was riding away from a windmill one time with, with, with Ralph Hager, and some of you have heard this, and I'm riding along, and he, he said, hey, I got, a, I got a question for you. I said, shoot. He said, without turning around, can you point to that windmill that we just rode off from? And we was probably half a mile away. I was like, dude, that's the easiest thing I've ever heard. I said, it's right there. He said, turn around and look. And it was over there. And yet I had ridden straight away from it. And he could see the kind of confusion on my face. And he goes, well, you're right-handed. He said, when you come up to a mesquite tree, because there's mesquite all over the place, he said, you'll have a tendency to go to the right of it, which is fine. But when you go over here and you get to another one, you'll go to the right of it. And then you'll go to the right of it. And you'll go to the right of it. And you'll go to the right of it. And I think that's what we do as Christians. We start off following Christ like we're supposed to, but, but, but then we just kind of get off a little bit. We kind of get off a little bit. And we kind of get off a little bit. And, and, and our focus no longer becomes loving on people. Our focus, and we think good Christians are people that go to church and read their Bible and, and go to Bible studies. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that those are integral parts. But that is not the end all of Christianity. I mean, when you go read the New Testament, I mean, there's just not a whole lot of, of Jesus leading Bible studies. Okay, now he preached in the tabernacles and, and stuff like that, but his main emphasis was to love on people. And we need to do the same thing if we're to be called friends of God. What does loving each other look like? Let's talk about that for just a second. I mean, let's be honest, okay? Let's, let's put our, our, our big boy underwear on and, and let's kind of keep an open mind and, and let's try not to make excuses. What does loving people look like? Well, I, I think that in order to sometimes get a clear picture of what loving people looks like, maybe it's best to first see what it doesn't look like. Loving people uh, doesn't mean just being nice to each other, okay? I, I, and I mean, I think that that's the end all for some people. Well, I didn't cuss them out, so I was just, I was nice to them, so I must be loving on them. You know what? Th that's not loving on people. Just because you're not, you can be nice to somebody without caring a thing in the world for them. Loving somebody doesn't mean just being nice to them. It doesn't mean to sit around and pray that things were different in this world. 
You know, I mean, oh, I, I love people in Africa. I watch those little commercials with those, with those little babies with the flies crawling around on them. And I, I kind of went, oh, gosh, that's so sad. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's not loving on people. I mean, you know, sure, maybe you paused. Maybe I paused for, for six seconds and went, oh, how sad. And then went and got my rope, went outside and played. That's not loving on people. It doesn't mean to show up at church and Bible studies and, and, and consider the job done. I, just because you show up to church doesn't mean you're loving people. Just because you go to a Bible study doesn't mean that you're loving people. And I, I, I hope that you're doing those things. But that is not the end. That is not the culmination of our walk with God is Bible studies and church attendance. It doesn't mean that you say, God bless you when somebody sneezes. That does not get you a crown in heaven. Okay? Oh, God, you know, I, man, you remember all those times I said, God bless you, those people that were sneezing? That doesn't do anything. You're not loving on people like that. So, we talked about what love isn't. And I'm not saying that it doesn't include some of those things, but that is not the end all. Be nice. God did not send his son in the world to make bad men nice, he sent to make dead people alive so that they could love on other people. Actually doing something with our faith, not sitting back waiting for somebody else to do something, not sitting over here thinking, oh, well, somebody else will take care of that. I mean, you know, I, it was hailing in Elizabeth the other day, and I'm driving down the road, and you know how it is about 4 o'clock in Elizabeth. I mean, it's just bumper to bumper, and it's hailing. And there's a lady walking without an umbrella, with a hoodie on, hailing straight down, and nobody stopped. And I pulled over and threw the door open and told her to get in. And that is not a pat on my back. It's just a description of the way this world is. How much more is a person in need than walking down the road with marble-sized hail beating down on them, yet people just drove right on past her? That makes me sick. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. I needed clothes and you clothed me. This is what we're supposed to be doing, people. The question three weeks ago, I've been talking about how to be a friend of God, and I posed this question three weeks ago to y'all right out here at Chuck Goetz's arena. I said, what impossible dream that neither man or money can provide? What is your impossible dream? That neither mon, mon or manny, money or man can provide. What is your impossible dream? Well, I ask y'all that question. Did you come up with an answer? Well, let me tell you a little PS to that. That was on Sunday. Monday, I'm driving down the road, and God goes, Hey, what, God? You're really good at asking others questions. What about you? What's your impossible dream that only I can provide? Well, can I just have some pastor privilege and just ask people the hard questions? He said, no. You have to answer them first. What I got from that conversation with God driving down the Cowboy Bennett Road did not change the vision of Save the Cowboy. It made it clearer. Because there's a quote. I'm going to have to find out who it is because I've quoted it so much. It's one of my favorites. It said, the best teachers show you where to look, but they don't tell you what to see. And that's how God works. He shows you where to look, but He doesn't tell you what to see. He wants you to discover what He wants. He doesn't want to just give you the answer. And I think in that question that I posed to y'all, that He turned right around on me and had me answer, it is more of a narrowing of the vision of Save the Cowboy. 
And here it is. You are here for a reason, and I believe that that reason that you are here today is because you are to be a part of this, of what I'm about to say. And it doesn't matter if you live in Nebraska, or you live in Saskatchewan, Canada, or you live in, in, uh, in Australia. We've got a big audience in Australia. I don't care where you are. I hope and I pray that you will pray about where you fit into what I'm fixing to say because he chose you. I didn't. Here it is. I want Save the Cowboy to have ranches all over the United States and even all over the world that employs cowboys and gives opportunities to people that have always wanted to be cowboys regardless of age, gender, or experience. Because Save the Cowboy is a, is a, is a play on words. It's number one, not number one, number one and number one. It's keeping the cowboy way of life alive with these, with these things right here like courage and honesty or honor, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. Those are values that are so lacking in today's society, yet they are an integral part of being a cowboy. I want to keep that cowboy way of life alive because it's slowly passing away. I'm not saying that it'll ever go extinct, but I want to be able to employ cowboys so that people can understand and know God like I know God and like Ty knows God and, and, and Jim and, and Lee and all of these other people that have ranched and have cowboyed for a living. I want y'all to experience that, but here's the real reason that I want ranches all over the United States employing cowboys and cowgirls and those with vast amounts of experience and those with a little bit of experience. Here's why. Because each ranch will be a ministry unto itself. One of them might be inner city education. One of them might be a woman's shelter. One of them might be a halfway house for people coming out of prison that need a fresh start. One of them might be, uh, have a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. One of them uh, might be a veteran's getaway for returning vets. One of them, one of them might be a, a rehab center for religious people. I think that's a real big ministry right there. I'm glad y'all laughed at that. Look around and if people's not laughing, warn me about them. One of them might be a missionary retreat. Wouldn't that be cool to have these missionaries come from all over the world that just, man, they've been working seven days a week, 29 hours a day, just say, hey, man, come out here. We're going to feed you. We're going to clothe you. We, you can go ride a horse. You can go fishing. You can do whatever you want to do. I want to love on people. But these ranches will fund bigger and greater ministries than just those. Because what I foresee, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, we're following God's guidance, but what I foresee is a free Christian school with an emphasis on problem solving and living for God, not on how to take tests. I'd love to have a free Christian school. I would love to have free health care along the lines of a St. Jude Children's Hospital. Little old kiddo has cancer. My gosh. Wouldn't it be cool to have a place where we could love on those people and, and heal them? And, and the cowboys that are working these ranches all over the world know that that little calf that they're taking care of in the middle of the winter and, and that they got it in the warming bed and they've got it in their bathtub, they know that that's important because that calf is going to provide the money that may save a child's life. When I was sick, you cared for me. I'd like to see a free nursing home for veterans' widows. Who's taking care of them? Their husbands gave it all, and you know, yesterday was D-Day. What about those ladies? Their husbands died. Who's going to take care of them? The Bible says in James 1.27 that the religion that God calls pure and perfect is one that takes care of orphans and widows in their distress. Why does everything have to cost so much? Can't we all pull our money and our talents and our desires so that we can love on people? Or do we only love on those that have money? How about a free adoption program to help families be matched with children that don't have one? 
We're in the process right now of adopting two kids from China. $35,000 is what it's costing us. That's more than I make in a year and a half. Yet God is providing. But maybe there's some of y'all that wouldn't mind adopting. You just don't have the money. I would love to have a ranch that fully funded that that said, you know what? Don't let money stand in the way of you loving on a kid and giving them a, a forever home. I'm not talking about having ranches just so that we can have feathers in our hats and so that we can go freaking play cowboy. I'm talking about using the gifts that God has given us for the greater good so that we can do exactly what God said so we can feed people, so that we can clothe people, so that we can care for people that are sick. That's the vision that God has given Save the Cowboy. And you want to talk about an impossible mission? Well, this may be easier if we were in you know, downtown Denver or Dallas, Texas or somewhere like that. We're in Kiowa, Colorado. But we're not just in Kiowa, Colorado because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But He's going to use each and every one of y'all that are here, whether you're here in person, whether you're listening on the Internet, listening on the radio, whatever the case may be. Where do you fit in? Because no longer do we just need to sit back and say, well, somebody else will love on people. That's what the goats said. Surely somebody else was going to take care of that. Why do I have to? Because it's where you will find your purpose. It's where you will find your meaning. It's where you will find your hope. It's where your faith will be revealed. Hang on to your hats, cowboys. For the first time ever, you can now hear the entire message unedited with every laugh and nugget of wisdom Save the Cowboy has to offer. All you got to do is go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Podcast right there on the homepage. You can listen right there or subscribe and never have to worry about missing another story. Pull the truck over, rest your horse, or put down that hot shot and do it right now. Go to SaveTheCowboy.com and ride with us every week down that narrow trail. Until then, this is Kevin Weatherby. See you next time. Today's message was brought to you in part by Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitchin Post Hay. Call them for all your hay needs at 303-324-8217. And if you'd like to become one of our radio sponsors, contact us by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and sending us an email or call 303-621-0133. Thanks, pards.